Tim Beck is a deacon at Wake Chapel Church. He's a Sunday school teacher. And if you're like me, every now and then you'll see him running up and down the roads of Fuquay Varina, getting ready for a marathon. But we're grateful that the Lord has given Tim a message to share with us this morning. We're thankful for his leadership at Wake Chapel. Tim, you come and share with us what the Lord has laid on your heart. Thank you, brother. If you think they sound good out there, you ought to be up here. It's a whole different experience. And not only listening to them, though, I like to watch them. And I'll tell you why. I watch you, Miss Lowell. And you're one of the people I watch, and I'm going to tell you why. Because when we sing certain songs, you get all teary-eyed. And I do too. And that's okay. Because I know you have emotion, and it's coming from your heart. And I like that. Somebody else that's not up here uh, today that I like to watch, but I'm looking forward to her coming back up here. It's Becky Thomas. I like to watch you. And I'll tell you why. Because you, a lot of times, don't even look at the book. You know the words. And you have an earnest look on your face when you sing some of these hymns. And I know that you mean what you're singing. And the last one that I like to watch, and God, he's, I hate he's not here, John Baines. I love to watch John. John C. has got everybody here fooled. He thinks that you believe he's got some back trouble. But have you seen that body English he puts in his singing? I mean, it's, he's like the Elvis of the senior group here, <laughs> except all the movement is above the waist, not below, and that's probably a good thing. But he puts everything he's got in it. And what's that called? Enthusiasm. I like enthusiasm in anybody because if enthusiastic people have a tendency to do the best job they can. Now, you may not like what I have to say today. I hope you do, but you may not. But I'll tell you this. I'm going to give you the best I got. Okay? So it's the best I got. And before I get started, I do want to say this to you as well. I want to thank you graciously for the opportunity to do this. And I've been a lot of places and done a lot of things in my life that I had no business doing and no business being there. But preaching the gospel in church is one place that you know you're on solid ground doing. So I feel very comfortable up here doing it because I'm doing the Lord's work. I want to thank you graciously for the opportunity uh, to preach to you today. And I also want to thank you for the privilege of being able to teach at this church. Um, I told someone this weekend that I was inviting to come to the church. I said, there's one thing about Wake Chapel that I absolutely love. And I was hoping she was going to be here today. If you want to serve in almost any capacity and do something at this church, it's like, come on. It's very welcoming. I know when we joined this church many years ago, it, the first thing I know, I was working with Brian. Uh, uh, I want to say Bright, but it's Brian. God, I remember when he changed his name. I was ushering. 
And then the next thing, I got asked to teach. And then asked to be a deacon. It's there if you want to serve. So I would invite you to serve if there's a place here that you, you feel led to do so. Uh, bear with me before we start. Oh, God, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you and beneficial for the, all those that, that hear. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6-9. You can turn to it if you want, but you really don't need to because it's a very familiar passage. It's the Lord's Prayer, which kind of ties into what we sang today. Well, it absolutely ties in. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Perhaps you're thinking this. Um, what am I going to get out of that? I mean, the Lord's Prayer, how many times have we said it? Thousands of times. But here's the fantastic thing about the Bible. It is dynamic. It is a living, breathing book. You can read the same passage, the same verse, same book, a hundred times, and maybe all of a sudden, bang, you get something different from it. Or you hear somebody preach on it or teach on it, and you get something completely different. So that's what I'm hoping to bring to you today. We won't get through the whole thing because I'm long-winded and I know we've got a business meeting. So we're going to go as far as we can. But I hope to, to uh, bring to you something about the Lord's Prayer that maybe you haven't thought about before. So let's begin. Well, I don't even need to get up there. I know what it says. I got it highlighted, but I don't need it. Okay. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's stop right there. I could spend 45 minutes on that. Those three verses tell us three things, significant things, about God. Who He is, where He is, and how we're to go before Him. Okay? So let's look at the first thing, our Father. <laughs> now, in this, in this world of gender confusion... God is not confused as to who he is. He is. Emphasis, he. And we shouldn't be confused. Now, I know you may say, well, God is spirit. That's true. But every characteristic, both in the Greek and Aramaic, New Testament, Old Testament, is all masculine. So when we read God our Father, that is synonymous with our earthly father. But to a lesser degree, obviously. And how can we understand this? Well, this is a rule of thumb that I've always used when studying the Bible. The Lord gives us earthly examples of heavenly principles. So we can relate some of what goes on here to what it is up there. And it gives us understanding. So if you want to understand who God is, God the Father, I would invite you to think about your earthly father if you had a godly father. And you'll see the similarities. But again, to a much, much, much less degree, but it helps you understand what this God, our Father, means. Uh, clearly, your earthly father, just like your heavenly father, is the author of your being. He is your creator. Uh, not to get too deep into the birds and the bees, but it is basic biology. Your father's seed makes you who you are. It is your father that decides whether you're a man or a woman at conception, not your mother. 
So in essence, he is the author of your being, just like our Heavenly Father is the author of all mankind. So we can understand that even better. But if you want to understand it even further, start thinking about the characteristics of your father if you had a godly father. And it all ties in. I, I, just uh, permit me to give you a couple about my father. And my father died when I was seven years old. So I can date everything pre his death and after his death. So I very, have a very vivid memory of my father, even though I was only seven. And just let me share with you two characteristics of my father that are very similar to that of our Heavenly Father. I don't care where we were. I don't care what we were doing. And I don't care what happened. My family, we all knew that my father could take care of it. And would take care of it. I don't care what happened. We knew that he could handle it. And there was a peace about that i remember feeling that way when bad things happened my my father would step between them and us and take care of it and we knew it and that's our, our earth our heavenly fathers now the other thing i think about my father is he was a disciplinarian no question about it my daddy was a disciplinarian but when he finished working on us he would always rub our legs if he used a switch and say you know it hurt me more than it did you that is just like a heavenly father what does the bible say about thy rod and thy staff comfort me what is a rod a rod is an instrument of discipline but a staff is an instrument of protection and salvation. So there's a lot of similarities. And, and I would just invite you to think about your father. Some of the characteristics of him. If he was, again, if he was a godly man. And compare him to your heavenly father. And you'll see there's so many similarities. And it helps you understand what that word God, our father, means. Now let's go to the second one. Our father who art in heaven. Now, we are loved to say, God be with you, God is with us. God is not with us, technically speaking. God is sitting in heaven on his throne with Christ Jesus at the right hand. He sits high and he looks low, but he is not here. He is in heaven. He cannot be in the presence of sin. So who is here? The Holy Spirit. That is who is here on earth. Not God. God cannot be in the presence of sin. And I'm so glad I just looked up and saw the person I invited today. I could not find them earlier, but I just saw them. Okay. Third, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that's a real important part. What in the world does hallowed mean? I'll tell you what it means. To be respected, to be honored to be revered. You know, when we come to church, we're not going to a dogfight. We're here to honor the creator of the universe. Think about that. He is the one that started those big hands of time moving. And he is the only one that can stop them. Not man, but God. 
He spoke all of creation into existence. The creator of the universe. That's who we're here to honor. And you know, something we do here that I absolutely love. We chit-chat before the service. We sing, you know, everybody's kind of shuffling around. But then we hear those three chimes usually. Bong, bong, bong. I like that. You know what that tells me? It tells me, be still, shut up, and listen. Because we're getting ready to worship the Lord. There's a solemnity about that. And we need to take that seriously. When we read this part about he is to be revered and to be honored, hallowed, because of who he is. Who he is what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. I fear the Lord. And you may say, well, that's not a very healthy attitude. Well, the wisest man in the world said the, the beginning of wisdom is what? Fear the Lord. And who said that? So I think I'm in good company. I fear the Lord. Why do I fear the Lord? It's not like, ooh, that kind of fear. It is a reverence for him because he is the only one that can do what he can do to me. Now think about it. What can he do to me and you and everybody? He can welcome us into the bliss of paradise. Or he can cast us down into everlasting darkness. Who can do that? Nobody. So I fear him. You know, I, I think about my old grandmama when, uh, some of you might remember this, when there was a terrible storm, thunder and lightning and wind and rain, my grandmother would get to the innermost part of the house, cut everything off that was electrical, TV, oh, you didn't play the TV, radio, lights, everything. She'd light an oil lamp, sit it on the bed stand, and she'd sit there. And she wanted everybody else to be still and be quiet because she said, you've got to respect the storm because that is the Lord's work. And I thought that was kind of silly at the time. But no, who can make that thunder roll and shake the whole earth and shake the house for 35, 45 minutes, an hour. Who can light up all the sky as far as you can see with streaks of lightning? You, you want to sit there and tell me that doesn't frighten you when you sit in the midst of it? It does me. And I'm not a scaredy cat. But it scares me. Because I know from where it comes. And I think sometimes in this age of technology and all the advantages we have and the inventions that nothing seems to wow us anymore. But when we have an electrical storm, I am wowed because I know where it comes from. It's the Lord. So we need to honor, revere him, respect him, and fear him in that healthy way. That's what it means hallowed be thy name okay I followed hallowed be thy, thy kingdom come okay what does that mean thy kingdom come well isn't this his kingdom no it is not his kingdom this is absolutely not his kingdom the world is not his kingdom do you remember what Christ Jesus said to Pilate 
He said, are you the king of the Jews? And what did Jesus say? My kingdom is not of this world. This is not his world. Satan rules this world. The prince of darkness. But bear in mind something important about that. He is only a prince. Thank God. Because a prince can't do but so much unless the king allows him. If you recall Job, Christ, um, Satan had to go before God and said, Consider your servant Job, lest I tempt him, he'll fall. And God had to give him what? Permission. So don't be confused. This is kingdom that we live in here, this world, it is ruled by Satan under certain parameters. God is still in control. Satan can only do what he allows. But the kingdom that God exists in now that we will one day enjoy is not here. It is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now, you know, when I was a little boy, preachers had a tendency, uh, especially evangelistic preachers that would come to church, they would just get all fired up and cry and just really enthusiastic. And you know how it was back then. I'm telling my age now. But they would always talk about, Lord, come, come soon. We can't wait for you to come. Your kid, we want you to come. And I'd be sitting in the audience as a little boy and say, oh, all right, I get that, but I don't want him to come anytime soon because I was having a good time. And you don't want the Lord. You, you think to yourself, I don't want the Lord to come. In my mind, he's calling on the Lord. Come on now. I didn't want him to come because I'm having a good time. And I didn't really understand what he meant and why he wanted his kingdom to come. And then you start getting older. And you see all the death, sorrow, destruction, unhappiness that exists in this world. On and on and on I could go. And you say, my God, why wouldn't I want to see a change? Why wouldn't I want the Lord to come back and wipe away all that? It just comes with maturity. I remember teaching my Sunday school class one time on a, a, a lesson on dying. And I told them, I taught the 70 and above at the Baptist church for like 20 years. And uh, I'm in there 20-some years old. And I remember telling them, you know, I'm scared of dying. And one of my members told me, he said, he said, Tim, look, let me, let me explain something to you. He said, uh, after you have got your children raised and they're successful and you enjoy your grandchildren for a while and then all of a sudden some of your friends start leaving and you start getting sick, you don't mind catching that bus? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's a pretty good piece of advice. And the older I get, I see he was right. Because I'm not ready for that bus yet. But I understand, in other words, why we are instructed by Christ to look in a hopeful manner for his return. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to see that improvement? And then, then the second part of it, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now I'm going to say something to you and some of you are going to say, oh my God, why did they let Tim Beck come up here and preach? He's preaching false doctrine. God's will is not always done. <gasps> okay. When you look at the original text of the scripture, God has 
a determinate will and a desired will. Where it says, for example, in Timothy, I believe, it is not his will that any be lost. But wait a minute. Folks are lost, aren't they? Everybody's not saved. So some people are lost. So his will is not done. That's because if you really dig into that scripture, you understand that it is his desire that all be saved. So remember, there's several different wheels. When he says, I'm coming back, you can bet your bottom dollar on that. That is his determinate will. That's going to happen. Then you've got his desire. It is his desire that all be saved. So when we put those two things together, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, it all makes sense. Because when his kingdom comes here on earth, his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's going to be perfection, absolutely perfection. You know, I have been blessed, God, knock on wood. Uh, I've been healthy all my life. I'm starting to have a little knee trouble, you know, and I'm whiny about it. You know, it's almost like an affront to me. What? Your knee is hurting? Or, and if I get a cold, it is an insult to my health. So, but, 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 it gives me some sort of insight into, whoa, what's coming? And it's coming. I said, I know it's coming. I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> but it's coming. So why wouldn't I not look forward to absolute perfection? Perfection. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more sadness. Just glory. That's why we're supposed to look towards his kingdom coming with anticipation and excitement. And not like that little child 50-some years ago that said, Lord, don't you come back anytime soon. I'm having too good a time. It's all about maturity. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, in heaven, his will is always done. On earth, it's not. But it, when you read Revelation, and my gosh, Revelation is so complicated. But I can tell you from my interpretation of it, when the Lord comes back and the new Jerusalem descends, that will be heaven on the new earth. All things will be made right. His will will be done on earth just as it is now in heaven. Next, give us this day our daily bread. And I love that. What is it? See, I never thought about this until I got it, really started studying this. Give us this day. Why does he say this day? Because we're supposed to be all about the here and now, not the then and there. We're not supposed to be counting on what? Tomorrow. What happened to the Hebrew children when the manna came on the ground? Oh, yeah, it's lovely. It's great. It's delicious. We better store it up. But what did God tell them? He said, every day it will be there. And that's pretty plain. He didn't say, you better store it up because it might be here Thursday, but it won't be here Friday. Or it could be here Sunday, but maybe not. 
He didn't say that. He said every day. So what do they do? They gather it up. That's human nature. And what happened? They're spoiled. God wants us to be. And you can't, you got to be a good steward, obviously. You know, you, you, you assume that tomorrow's coming and you have to plan for it, but you can't live in it. You can't live in the future. My wife says I live in the past. <laughs> and a lot of ways I do. But you can't live in the future. And you're not supposed to live in the past. You're supposed to live in the present. And that's why he said, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, Lord, give me. And it's not just bread. It's not just food. It's what I need right now today. And that's a whole lot more than just bread. You know that. You know that. So we're not supposed to plan so much for tomorrow and be harping on tomorrow. Oh, what happened yesterday? It's right here and right now because tomorrow is promised to nobody. Life is fleeting. Enjoy it. You know, let's see. What did, I read a quote the other day that I loved. It said, people have two lives. The first life is the one they live until they realize they only have one life to live. Then they really start living. And that's true. But it's hard, to, it's hard to have that perspective, isn't it? But when you realize, when you really, sometimes when you have a little brush with death, you realize, oh my gosh, I almost went out of here. I better, make, I better start making the most of it instead of sitting around moping. So then you really start living. But that's to me, and you may have a different take on it, but when he says, give us this day, that's how I take it. Be concerned with the here and now, not the then and there. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, here comes the last one. Well, not quite the last. Uh, and and I'll be, uh, I'll, I want to confess to you that I, I don't have, I don't know whether I've got the answer to this or not. <sighs> Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, I used to think, and some people will tell you now, and maybe they're right. I'm not saying they're not. Some people say that means if you don't forgive the people that sin against you, God's not going to forgive your sins. I dismiss that. Why? Because of this reason. All sin is against God. I can't sin against you. I sin against God because we are under the authority of God. I am not under your authority. Again, here's an earthly example of heavenly principles. If my children, when they were growing up, and God bless them, they didn't mistreat each other too much. A big deal at my house was, Ruby said, shut up. I mean, that was a big deal. But my children mistreat each other, but they disobey me. They don't disobey each other. It is me. Because I am in authority over my children. So what do they do to each other? They mistreat each other. They trespass against each other. And sometimes we trespass against the Lord. Maybe we don't sin so much, but we, we do things we shouldn't. And think about this. If, you've, if you can go back when you had your children, or if you have children now, how you feel about it. When my children were wrong with each other, they mistreated each other. The fellowship between me and them was kind of disrupted too. I couldn't be 100% right with them if they weren't right with each other. 
Why? Because we're family. And that's kind of how like it is with the Lord. So I feel like, I really feel like what this scripture means is, look, people are going to mistreat you. Maybe they're not going to break in your house and steal what you got. But they're going to mistreat you. They're going to say things. They're going to do things that you don't appreciate. You're going to say things. You're going to do things that they don't appreciate. You need to forgive them. You need to get over it. You need to move on. Because if you don't, maybe the Lord, his fellowship with you, not his relationship, but his fellowship with you is somewhat hindered. That's a fact. Because I'm telling you, that, uh, not, uh, not to wash my dirty laundry in public, but this summer I've had some issues that uh, I've been weak on, real weak on. And I can tell you right now, my fellowship with the Lord has been different. I didn't pray. I didn't pray before my meals. I didn't pray at night because I was uh, somewhat ashamed. And I knew that there was something between me and him that he didn't like, but I did it anyway. And see, that's how it is. Again, an earthly example of heavenly principle. When your fellowship with other people is disrupted because of something you've said or done, whatever, it is disrupted with the Lord. Why? Because they're his children too. Do you think you're so special? You think you're more special than they are? He loves them just like he loves you. So if you've mistreated them, Obviously, he wants you to get right because they're his too. We're all his children. Sometimes we get the feeling that we're the only ones, that you know, everybody else is just cannon fodder, but we're God's children. But God loves them just as good as he, everybody else, just as much as he does you. Anyway, I don't know if I'm right about that. And probably I shouldn't even have tried to, to teach that today or speak on that because if I'm not sure... But I honestly do believe this about the Scripture. God is not a God of confusion. And if you seek to know the truth about an issue like this, He will reveal it to you. And I think that's what He's revealed to me. Okay, let me see. Let me get out of order. Forgive us trespasses, we forgive those trespassing. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever you know that's we'll finish up with this it's almost like a rhetorical question obviously god is not going to lead us to evil what we're asking him to really is to lead us away from evil that's just the way the king james is written lead us not into temptation obviously the lord is not going to lead us into temptation what it's really saying is god you know my steps you know the future remember god sees time differently than we do he sees it past, present, and future all at the same time. And so what we're saying to the Lord is, God, based on that, you know my future steps. Lead me away from things that I don't even see coming. Lead me away from them. And then the last part is an admonition, and I'm right on the money. Look at that. Timing's everything. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank God forever and ever. What if it was just a thousand years? What if it was just six weeks? But it's ever and ever and ever. That's what we long for. That's what we should be praying for. That's what we should be looking forward to. Now, 
Last minute, I just want to share this with you real quick because every, I told somebody this this past week, at the end of every service at this church, there is always an invitation. And I think that's critical. That's the most important thing about church to me is the opportunity for anyone to make a profession of faith. It's good for the congregation. It's good for you. God knows it's good for you. And just let me just tell you this. I taught Sunday school 20-some years at the Baptist church, 70 and above class. The most meaningful thing that ever happened to me was at the end of every class, I would always pray for the class. And one day I felt compelled to say this. If there's anybody in my class that is not right with God, slip your hand up while everybody's eyes are closed. And I had an 86-year-old man that a bunch of y'all in here know. Slip his hand up at 86. You see, we have a tendency to believe the older you are, you're all right. Because you're not out here doing all these sinful things. That's got nothing to do with it. You can be 100 years old and just as lost as a convict. So when he slipped his hand up like that, the next Sunday, we all sat with him in church. An 86-year-old man walked forward. So, I give you that opportunity today. Uh, When David comes up here and we sing a hymn of invitation, if you're not right with God, get right. First steps are hardest after that. Believe me, you'll run just like I do. You won't slow down. Would you join us, please, in singing number 435, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear, What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. The Lord knows the hearts of each one of us who are here this morning, some with burdened hearts, some who are here with fearful hearts. Perhaps you're here and you've never yet trusted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Tim has given that challenge this morning. May I encourage you to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And if you're trusting Jesus this morning, you're doing that because he started that in your heart. He's the author. And may I encourage you to keep looking to him because he's the finisher of our faith. And if you'd like to make a profession, a public profession this morning of your faith in Jesus, we give you that opportunity. Number 435, would you stand with us, please? Amen. Edwin Holloman is our deacon for the day, and he's going to come and lead us in prayer. Thank you. Let us us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for another day that we can come and worship in your house and honor and worship you here um, and the freedoms that we have to do that. We thank you for that. Um, We thank you for Tim's message. We thank you for the prayer that you gave us that is so clear and so such a good prayer that we thank you for that. Um, We thank you for those here today. We thank you as we go out today. Uh, We go out as missionaries. We go out to do your work. We go out to spread your word and to be an influence to those that we are around. We also are are privileged to support uh, missionaries and mission groups here at this church. And today we especially want to pray for Transworld Radio. We want to pray for the work that they do, um, the people that they reach, um, 
the activities that, that further your kingdom. Um, we know that recently there was a, uh, a meeting they had. They met. This, this uh, mission group is worldwide. They had a meeting uh, I believe it was South Africa. It was, way, it was a, a tremendous distance from here with some difficulties in people attending that meeting. Um, and I don't, I don't know the full outcome. I just know that there were some difficulties. But we know that those, those folks that do that work for you, it's not uh, just sitting in an office. It's uh, work that they do uh, for you to spread your word. And we thank you for that. We Please, please bless them and provide for them and, and the things that they do. We thank you for this time together. Please uh, be with us as our, our meeting uh, happens here in a few minutes. Please go with us after we leave. Uh, thank you again for allowing us to work to worship together. In Jesus' name, amen.